Hi, hello, welcome to the episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is October the 7th, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well in good spirits and high hopes. As for me, I'm doing pretty good. I am weirdly having like a bit of a slow day, but it's okay because it's Saturday and nothing's really planned until later tonight, so I'm good, good. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I woke up early as per usual I said, you know what? No, no, no. I've been up for an hour. Let me go ahead and take a little nap, a little sleep, and woke up again and just literally just wanted to rinse and repeat it. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? No, let's let's do a little workout. Let's um, uh, you know, do some researching. You know, let's let's, let's do some podcasting. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, overall, I know I'm good. I'm sure you know by the afternoon. Well, it's already the early afternoon. I'm sure by evening I'll be good. I'll be solid. Maybe I need to get some coffee or something in me. Uh, let's see here, though. Other than that, I'm good. And even then, I'm, I'm good. Uh, let's see. I'm going to take my little startup and we'll cover some news. Uh, hoo-ha, hoo-ha. All right, let's get started. From CNN, Netanyahu says Israel is at war as Palestinian militants launch surprise attack or surprise air and ground attack from Gaza. Excuse me. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu declared that the country was at war on Saturday after. Palestinian militants in Gaza fired a deadly barrage of rockets and sent gunmen into Israeli territory in a major escalation uh, of the long-running conflict between the two sides. The early morning surprise assault, which has left at least 40 people dead and over 779 injured, according to Israel's rescue service, Magan David Adam, or the MDA, um, is unprecedented in recent history and its scale and scope. It comes on the 50th anniversary of the 1973 war in which Arab states blitz Israel on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. A barrage of some 2,200 rockets were launched from the Gaza Strip into Israel on Saturday morning, starting at 6.30, according to the Israeli military, while armed gunmen infiltrated the border in a ground assault into southern Israel. Multiple explosions were heard over Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, and in southern Israel. Some blasts likely the interceptions of incoming missiles, incoming rockets, with air raids sent uh, Israelis pouring into underground shelters. So yeah, I mean, they launched a lot of rockets, and uh, the way Israel's, like, Iron Dome is set up, it's, it, it is a just super defense system that is able to usually just combat that with, like, anti-air uh, missiles of its own. 
Uh, so a lot of times they just aren't effective. But I guess this was a stockpiled, pushed uh, situation and adding that they were able to actually infiltrate Israel, which is something that is very hard to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, big news in the sense that, you know, with every action that kind of comes here, we always see like just a greater reaction out of Israel for this shit. Um, you know, and this isn't to me being like, oh yeah, you know, like, cause I, I do feel like it is one of those things where it can get easily misconstrued where it's like, oh, well, you're just trying to root for the Palestinians. You're not seeing, you know, what the Israelis go through, you know, you're not balancing it out. And it's like, because it's so hard to balance out. I'm sorry. It just is. But, you know, I do want to do my best to, you know, give the coverage that is at hand, but also say, hey, look. Like, what is going to come from this is not going to be proportional in any way, shape, or form. And also not to mention that there is a very important reason why this violence has gotten to this point, why it has escalated to this point, why Hamas is doing what it's doing. I'm not, you know, saying like, oh, yeah, it's okay, let's advocate it. But I am saying, like, it does make sense. Like, it is not something where it's just like, like, you have people literally coming into where you live and saying, hey, this is our territory now. And you need to leave. And essentially, all you can do is take it and take it and take it until you can't take it. And then when you do anything to respond, well, then guess what? There is an army waiting in kind to give retribution. So, you know, this is just always a situation where I'm going to look at it and say, damn, this is fucked up. I'm sorry to see loss of life here. But I know this is going to go only worse for the Palestinians. And all they're trying to do is fight for their right to exist in this place. Like, I was um, listening to, I think this was from The Take. Uh, it's like an Al Jazeera podcast thing. And Netanyahu, like, brought out a map. And it was, like, kind of like one of these, like, almost, like, theoretical maps. Or, like, things that they kind of, like, are wanting to see happening or whatever. But the way that they had it mocked up, they just had like the gaza strip they just had the west bank like it's like no this is not your territory like you are occupying it and it's crazy that this is somehow legal in some fucking quasi world but like here we are and you're trying to make it yours and it's like no it's not yours it's not and there's this crazy that these people do have to fight for it and then it's like well yeah now we're going to go to war with you at least you know according to netanyahu um so, yeah, I mean, this is uh, just really, it's a big moment. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, downplay or anything like that. Let me read my highlighted portion here. Uh, dubbing the operation Alaska Storm, Hamas military commander Muhammad Aldif said in a recorded message that the group had targeted the enemy positions, airports, and military positions with 5,000 rockets and that the assault on Israel was a response to attacks on women, the desecration of the Alaska Mosque in Jerusalem, and the on oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, and the ongoing siege of Gaza. So, you know, I know that that, that part is going to be something that falls on a lot of deaf ears because, you know, the loss of life is it's just it fucking sucks. And you, you do want to like there's that re retaliation urge, I think, in everyone. And you kind of understand and, and respect that. But at the same time, once again, the response here is going to be 
I can just only suspect to be crazy. And I get the feeling it's just going to be something that gets covered and then forgotten about the next day. And um, I don't know. I know it's all important, but um, I don't know. That, that's why I'm trying to do my best to do this coverage. <laughs> also, I got to say that this whole episode is just more or less a Middle East episode. I, I figured um, there's a lot going on. And, uh, you know, I wanted to just kind of cover as much as I could for today. Uh, but, yeah, let's go ahead and move along. We're going to Iran uh, from Al Jazeera. Uh, Iran authorities deny arresting mother of Armita Garavand. Let's go into this. Iran's judiciary has denied a report uh, by rights groups that said security forces had arrested the mother of a teenage girl who is in a coma after an alleged confrontation with police. Iranian, Iranian authorities have denied reports by rights activists that the 16-year-old girl, Armita Garavand, was injured, was injured on Sunday in a confrontation with officers enforcing the country's conservative dress code, which requires women to wear a head covering. Now, you know, we've covered Iran a decent amount. Oh, well, you know, I'm obviously I always do better, do more. But, um, you know, I know Masamini was a big thing. It's obviously referenced here. And um, it, it seemed like there was a lot of, you know, action. People were out on the streets doing the best that they could. Uh, but the crackdown was very massive. It was very, you know, extensive and enduring. And, you know, more or less, it's almost like it was a full circle moment where, you know, you had the, um, what is it? I think like the honorary police, the morality police, whatever. They were back out on the streets and, you know, they were going to reinforce this like, you know, buffed up hijab law. And more or less, it seems like history is just yet again fucking repeating itself. And, um... Uh, Armida, she was, you know, walking without her hijab. She, you know, wasn't fucking with it. And, you know, there's a lot of women in Iran who have said, no, we're done. Like, we're, we're not wearing them anymore. The, you know, there are obviously, there, there are some that are. There's some that, you know, do want to and, you know, they do. But um, there are some that are like, no, I'm doing this as, a, as an act of protest. I do not want to wear it. And, um, you know, they were on a train or not train um what is it like uh like subway thing kind of thing situation and um essentially this uh morality police wanted to enforce this rule and you know i mean i guess you have to put on the allegedly here but they beat armita and more or less the only footage that you can see or at least from what i've seen from just picture stills is her friends who are with her her two female friends they drag her out of the, um, you know, the subway, um, you know, the, the train car, whatever the fuck I'm trying to, I'm struggling to find the words here, but, um, you know, they pull her out and more or less what, um, they say and what they have the parents say. And I do say that what they have the parents say, because they do put this, uh, you know, they put the, the, the families in the worst situations here. It's like, look, we are going to crack down and make things worse if you don't read and go by what we tell you to, you know, go by. And essentially, you know, they, they said it's like, oh, we have the footage, which from what I've heard has been edited footage. It looks very edited. And um, like, oh, she had a loss of blood pressure and she had just a medical incident on the train. And that's what happened. 
you know, on the subway or whatever. And it's like, no, dude, you guys beat her to a inch of her life and her friends tried to drag her out and now she's in a hospital in a coma. It's like, it is the same fucking thing repeated. And of course, you know, with Masamini, they never fucking admitted that shit. They said, oh, she had a heart problem and then she fell out. Here's the footage. Here's the footage. Don't you see? And it's like, no, dude, you're giving us bits and pieces here, drips and drabs. It's not the whole fucking thing. What happened? And we don't know what happened on that metro train. It's very fucking frustrating to see this shit happen just again. And because it just shows that, like, the, the, the people at the very top here are just like, no, we don't care. We don't give a fuck. We will do this shit again. This is how we exert control, and we're going to keep exerting control this way. Um... So yeah, I, that that is why I feel like felt really compelled to talk about this shit. I don't know. Um, okay, uh, let's go on to some other shit. There's more to talk about, and you know, it, you know, there, there. I do have at least a little bit of good news, a little crumb for you guys at the end. I'll say that. <laughs> but let's move along. Uh, from Reuters, Syria mourns scores killed in drone attack on military academy. Uh, Syria on Friday held funerals for scores of people killed in a drone attack on a graduation ceremony at a military academy in the Homs region the previous day. One of the bloodiest strikes against the military in more than 12 years of civil war. Several weaponized drones hit the Homs military academy academy's courtyard where families were gathered with the new officers on Thursday, minutes after Defense Minister Ali Mahmoud Abbas had left. Syria declared three days of mourning. Uh, I'm actually glad I reread this and said this part uh, with the Defense Minister leaving. I think that's kind of like a key part, uh, but we, we'll try to get back to that. Uh, there's been no claims or responsibility for the attack. Syria's defense... Um, and foreign ministries blamed what they described terrorist groups without specifying further and vowed response with full force. Now, you know, the places that they are kind of, you know, hitting and responding to saying like, hey, well, isn't it weird that the defense minister left and then this fucking happened? Like essentially alleging that maybe it might be like a false flag situation. Now, I don't know about that, but that is just, you know, kind of me trying to give you uh, the best coverage I can give you. Um, on, and I also have to add here that Syria is definitely one of these blind, not that anything I cover isn't a blind spot, but I, I always feel like when I go into Syria coverage that I'm like, fuck man, I am over my head and there are stories that I miss and that kind of fucking sucks too. But you know, this, this definitely felt very relevant as well as, you know, the next story that we're going to get into kind of involving Turkey, Syria, but, um, let's see here on Friday morning, coffins carrying victims and, uh, draped in the Syrian flag, were sent out from the Homs Military Hospital. A military band played somberly and lined up. Troops gave salute. At the scene, Abbas said the blood spilt was uh, precious. Uh, let's see here. Um, Thursday's strike was an unprecedented use of drones against government forces in the war, which began with protests against President Bashir al-Assad in 2011 and spiraled into a conflict that has killed hundreds of thousands, thousands and displaced millions. In June, a drone, attack, a drone attacked Assad's hometown of Quadara 
in the province of Latkia. Uh, but Thursday's attack involving a swarm of drones represented the deadliest and most coordinated use of the weapon yet against the government side. Hardly the rebels have employed home-built drones as early as 2018, including against the coastal Hemenim Air Base, where Russia has headquartered uh, its Syria operations. Researcher Win Wim Zimmerberg told Reuters. Uh, I mean, so yeah, there's a lot going on here. Um, I just kind of wanted to touch on this because I felt like it was relevant. Also, I, I do feel like, hey, it, it kind of allowed me to show because I, I have heard President Bashir al-Assad's name before, um, you know, maybe not always in the best of terms, and it, it kind of can be understand understood why. Um, but yeah, I mean, much kind of like the Israel situation, you know, loss of life is something that's like, yeah, I'm never fucking rooting for that. It's always fucking sad. But you do see that these violence, like against violence, it, it just ramps up, ramps up, ramps up, ramps up, ramps up. And now you see yourself in a situation where like, well, we could just coordinate a drone attack. We could hit these motherfuckers here and now, and it could be a thing. Or like I said, once again, at the top, that this could just be a false flag thing for, you know, Syrian government to do a fucking thing, not to be hyper conspiratorial or whatever, but you know, <laughs> that, 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 that's what I got for here. Uh, but let's go ahead and move along. This is another thing that popped up us. Oh, this is also from Al Jazeera, uh, us shoots down Turkish drone over Syria after attacks near Hasaka, Hasaka, um, so I initially thought, okay, maybe this is something I, could, I don't need to necessarily cover. You know, there's a lot of things that happen. I missed some news. That's okay, whatever. But this is actually winds up kind of being an update on the um, uh, the suicide bombings that took place in Ankara in Turkey. So I was like, oh, shit. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and kind of bring things around, doing a little update. So uh, the Pentagon says United States warplanes have shot down a Turkish drone which was deemed a threat to its forces in Syria in an incident that might raise tensions between the NATO allies. Uh, things are always spicy in NATO. Uh, the development came on Thursday as Turkey targeted Turk or Kurdish forces in Syria following a suicide bombing in Ankara that was claimed by the outlawed Kurd Kurdistan Workers' Party, or the PKK. So I know ha like what had happened before, you know, that situation more or less had been neutralized. I don't believe there was any loss of life as people injured, but you know, there was two people that had done the bombings that were you know, killed uh, and no one had claimed responsibility for it. It seemed like it was one, maybe one of those, maybe too hot to trot, but it does look like uh, the PKK did claim responsibility. So that kind of, I don't know, maybe Turkey's like, okay, mask off. We're gonna do some fucking shit. But, um, let me read a little further here. U.S. troops, the troops, uh, U.S. troops observed drones carrying out raids on Thursday morning. Some of them inside a restricted operating zone or a ROZ near Haska. Uh, I'm just going to stick on that one. A about a kilometer less than a mile. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> They really do be helping out the Americans. They thank thank you so much. Um, from Washington's troops, Pentagon spokesperson Brigadier General Pat Ryder told journalists, 
a few hours later, a Turkish drone returned to the ROZ and flew towards American forces. Despite what a U.S. official said were dozens of calls to Ankara's military. Uh, U.S. commanders amassed the UAV, which was now less than a half kilometer from U.S. forces, to be a potential threat. USF, uh, USF uh, six, uh, F-16 fighters subsequently shot down the UAV in self-defense. So it's like, oh shit, okay, we got to do a little bit of politicking now. Let's figure out what happened, what's going on. Uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin spoke with his Turkish counterpart, Yasir Guler, on Thursday, urging de-escalation in northern Syria and the importance of maintaining strict adherence to deconfliction protocols and communication through established military-to-military channels. Uh, That was uh, Ryder who said in a statement. Turkey's defense ministry confirmed the call, saying the two officials discussed the latest developments in Syria. Now, I do feel like this is an important part to add. Al Jazeera's Sinem Kasalogu, reporting from Istanbul, said the UAV, uh, which is a drone. I should have maybe said that. That was the drone they shot down. Um, But I know my my listeners are smart. Y'all knew that. My little newsies knew. Uh, Said the UAV did not belong to the Turkish military. According to a statement, it is not the only it is not only the Turkish military that conducts counterterrorism operations in northern Iraq and Syria, she said. So it's they're more or less saying like, hey, like, yeah, we were in contact. We were working with y'all. It wasn't ours is what I'm gathering from this. And um, let's see here. Let's read a little further. On Thursday night, Turkish military air attacks killed 26 fighters and destroyed 30 Kurdish fighters, uh, fighter targets in northern Syria, including an oil well, a storage facility, and shelters, and neutralized many fighters, the Turkish Defense Ministry said. Um, so I, I, I guess that's good news. Um, yeah, that, that's more or less all I really wanted to cover with that. Um, just a little bit of an update, a little bit of a new news, I guess, on top of it, a little, little bit of a blend. Uh, and like I said, I did want to give you guys a crumb of good news before we left. And I and I, I do have to say crumb because I, I say this as it's like, yes, we're going to talk about someone winning a Nobel Peace Prize. But we're talking about a person winning a Nobel Peace Prize from jail. That shit, that's crazy. That shit's hard. Um, but we'll get into it. Um, and, you know, maybe even some... some uh, potential winners of the Nobel Peace Prize that I kind of forgot about or didn't know. Ooh wee. Mmm. Okay, mm. our last story is from PBS, PBS NewsHour. Excuse me. Now you can actually watch the video, but um, jailed, I Iran. <coughs> excuse me, jailed Iranian activist Nargis Mohammadi wins twenty twenty three Nobel Peace Prize. Imprisoned Iranian activist Nargis Mohammadi. Mohammadi 
won the Nobel Peace Prize on Friday in recognition of her tireless campaigning for women's rights and democracy and against the death penalty. Uh, things that are very fucking great to be fucking fighting about. Um, Muhammad, I feel like I need a preference here too with the death penalty part because we've, we've even covered stories about it on the podcast where it's like, look, you know, especially like stories from the Evian prison, you know, in Tehran, like... I already think the death penalty full stop is draconian. Here in America, it's fucked up how we do it. Oh, yeah, we got some chemicals. Like, bro, it's fucking terrible how these motherfuckers go. But, like, the fact that it, it could get used to a political level the way it does in Iran is very important to talk about. And so it's not just like, oh, oh, morals. Like, no, it it is literally keeping people from just being killed for just like going out and protesting, going out and for fighting for their rights that day. Like, it, it, I just feel like it's important to underscore that. But um, Mohammadi, I'm going to keep fucking up this name and I'm so sorry. Mohammadi, 51 years old, has kept her activism kept kept her kept up her activism despite numerous arrests by Iranian authorities and spending years behind bars. I believe it's like an estimated total of like 31 years she's like accumulated. You know, she's currently right now behind bars, but um the this prize is first and foremost a recognition of the very important work of a whole movement in Iran with its undisputed leader Nargis Mohammadi, uh, Mohammadi said Brit Reese Anderson, another name I'm sure I'm getting just great, uh, the chair of the Norwegian Nobel Committee who announced the prize in Oslo. She said the committee hopes the prize is an encouragement to continue the work in whichever form this movement finds to be fitting. She also urged Iran to release Muhammadi in time for the prize ceremony on December 10th. For nearly all of Muhammadi's life, Iran has been governed by a Shi- Shiite theocracy headed by the country's supreme leader, which I believe, is that the, I think it's the Ayatollah? Maybe. Sound off if I'm wrong there. Uh, while women hold jobs, academic positions, and even government appointments, the lives can be tightly controlled. Laws require all women to at least wear a headscarf or hijab to cover their hair as a sign of piety. Iran and neighboring Afghanistan remain the only countries that mandate it. Uh, In a statement to the New York Times, Muhammadi said the global support and recognition of my human rights advocacy makes me more resolved, more responsible, more passionate, and more hopeful. I also hope this recognition makes Iranians protesting for change stronger and more organized, she added. Victory is near. Uh, Muhammadi has been imprisoned 13 times and convicted five times, according to Reese Anderson, in total, she has been sentenced to 31 years in prison. Moamadi's most recent incarceration began when she was detained in 2021 after she attended a memorial for a person killed in nationwide protests sparked an increase in gasoline prices. She has been held in Tehran's notorious Evan prison, 
whose inmates include those with Western ties and political prisoners. Physical and sexual abuse of women in prisons, something Muhammadi has campaigned against both outside and behind bars, remains endemic. Um, Muhammadi is the 19th woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize and the second Iranian woman after human rights activist Serene Ibadi won in won the award in 2003 uh let's see here they do talk about masamini's custody uh i did want to kind of get to some of the okay yeah you do win from the nobel peace prize the nobel peace prize carries a cash award of 11 million swedish kronar about one million dollars uh, the winners also receive an 18 karat gold medal in a diploma at the award ceremonies in December. In addition, uh, let's see, um, human rights activists from Ukraine and Russia also shared last year's prize in what was seen as a strong rebuke to Russian President Vladimir Putin after his uh, invasion uh, of Ukraine. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, I missed their names. My bad. Um, yeah, I probably should have covered them last year when that happened, and I was like, uh, I didn't. Uh, but yeah, I did want to kind of go over some people who have won, some other previous members. Uh, oh yeah, it was Bialowski. I just don't have his first name. That was, uh, the human rights activist who, or, that was another one that I missed. My bad. Okay, let me get to these guys. Uh, other previous winners include Nelson, Nelson Mandela, Barack Obama, Mikhail Gorbachev, Aung Suu Kyi, and the United, they gave the United Nations, like, they all just get a medal? They just get, like, a medal to hold? Like, one? Ugh. Um, the Nelson Mandela one, that's great. The Barack Obama one, when I thought about it, and I think I remember the meme or whatever, or the video, whatever, and it's like, I kind of see why, like, especially, like, you know, my leftist friends definitely, like, clown on that shit so much. Because it's, like, you have a thought and it's, like, wait, it's crazy that this shit goes to, like, people who do, like, real, on-the-ground fucking shit. And then, like, we also just give it to, like, a president that more or less, like, man, it's so dope that you're just so cool. Like, you're just so cool and you're black and you, like, did so much shit while you were black, man. So, like, here's a medal, dude. Like, we fucking love you. Because when I think about it, that's that's the only reason I can think why we gave this man a fucking medal. Like, he's a president, like, and then you have to, like, balance the good with the bad, especially when you, you're you doing it for, like, hey, you're a president, because you have to run it by everything he did, didn't do, all the fucking shit. It's like, man, that's crazy. That's really kind of icky. But, like, hey, also the United Nations got a medal. But, hey, I do like that Ansu Chi, like, real shit. I do like that Ansu Chi got a medal, though. I think that's dope. Like... Um, you know, yes, these are like for political reasons that they do pass these things out, but like, you know, it's, it's a relevant, a lot of money to the people who get it. And I, I do think it is a cool award, um, given to cool people <laughs> looking at you, Barack or so Barack. Okay. Um, that's it. That's the episode. Uh, thank you so much. To, oh man, I blew it so long. Okay. But it was a lot. I, I'm glad we were able to get through it. Uh, patreon.com Suzanne news if you'd like to support the effort become a newsy you know what you get with that uh let's see here isaiah news one uh gmail.com if you'd like to send some feedback find me on socials you know the youtubes all that gun stuff uh thank you so much for tuning in uh 
，拜拜。